Hello colleagues and uh, welcome to the 163rd edition of the Frank and Stan chat and for those of you who watch regularly or listen regularly I always have to say Frank and Stan chat because when it comes up with the uh, little text underneath it always looks as though it's Frankenstein uh, so but anyway it's the Frank and Stan chat and, I, and those watching on video you'll see that we've got three guests with us uh, this week uh, a little bit unusual but fascinating uh, week lots of things to chat about and i'm sure it's going to be a really interesting discussion so uh, let's uh, just go to stan first before we introduce our guest are you okay this week stan Got yeah yeah it's uh it's 50 50 whether we put the heating on or not i'm told it's going to be warm this weekend so don't judge me <laughs> we might have the heating on <laughs> i do remember going to manchester grammar school to see the i'm not sure he's not called the head teacher but it's um who whatever the High master. High master. And it was the 1st of October and the log fire was burning. And apparently at Manchester Grammar School, the log fire is on from the 1st of October. And I noticed that. And what I will always remember is the uh, football pitches, because uh, it was a Wednesday, being sort of uh, the leaf leaf blower, blowing the leaves off the football pitches so that the match could take place in about an hour's time how how the world is somewhat different you know to the schools that i used to lead uh, but anyway uh let's go and introduce our, our guest so uh, shelly we'll go to you first can you uh, good morning and can you introduce yourself yeah good morning uh, my name is shelly baker i'm head teacher of van Dean school which is in brighton on the south coast born and bred in brighton and i'm just dreaming how to switch the heating on um <laughs> if we have enough money <laughs> <laughs> will Hi everyone, I'm Will Baldwin. I'm the principal of ASVIC, which is the most complicated acronym in education. It's Brighton, Hope and Sussex Sixth Form College. Uh, and I've purposely not packed away the sun lounger, um, having seen the forecast for this weekend. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so perhaps the heating won't be on at the weekend. Um, but anyway, and, and Gronje. Uh, good morning, I'm Gronya Bird. I'm Director of Faith and Ethos at Cardinal Newman Catholic School and Sixth Form in Hove. And I still have hope to eat my lunch in the garden this weekend. <laughs> the weather in, in the sunny south coast is lovely and I'm still sea swimming, so all good. Oh, fabulous. We're, we're always sitting on our deck chairs. In the- <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing though, something connects you. Shelley, can you just... Well, you know, in a way, you, you, you are connected through a sort of joint sort of commitment or philosophy, aren't you? Could you just explain that to colleagues? Yeah, so we're connected through an organisation called Citizens UK, um, which really just gives the power to the people. And it's about collective um, working, thinking about current local issues that are affecting young people or our communities, and then working together to really champion those causes and also hold uh, politicians, councillors to account. Right now, I mean, we are now <laughs> just after the Conservative Party conference has been a major speech from the Prime Minister. So this sort of leads in now, doesn't it, Shelley, to what's caught your eye this week? Yeah, and I, and I this is very much linked to the work that I'm involved in in Citizens UK, and that is around mental health and attendance. So one of the big things, I mean, we could pick from many things that have been discussed this week. But one of the things I noticed was around. The, the structures and systems that government want to put in place for attendance. But what that really does show is the lack 
knowledge of what the root cause of attendance issues are for young people in schools. Um, I live and breathe this on a daily basis as head, as, as I know other colleagues across the country are. And actually, it's about the support that's not there for students to help them with their mental health, those students that are struggling to attend school because of the cuts to send and the lack of support and so that's something we're really championing as a group to get mental health support in all schools and colleges so that has really caught my eye and the fact that the leadership of that needs to look very different and look at the cause of those issues rather than just look at the process Um, and so that is quite frustrating yeah is that an issue for you as well well I don't think it's as acute as um, colleges, as it is schools, uh, but we have certainly seen attendance lower uh, than pre-pandemic levels and stubbornly staying that way. Um, And I think that the mental health crisis applies as much to colleges as it does to schools um, and trying to keep our students healthy and happy um, to be successful students is, is absolutely a key priority. Mm. Yes, I would agree um, completely. And I think post-pandemic, there has been um, a bit of a sea change, I think, in parental attitudes towards attendance. I mean, they have been used to keeping their children at home um, to keep them safe. And it's there's a uh, we have to sort of support the parents, uh, overcome their mental health and their anxiety issues around um, what it's like out there and help them appreciate that the best place for their young people right now is in school. Yeah, yeah. We have a, a, a doctor as a psychologist um, working very early on, I think it was, Frank, wasn't it, yeah. with Mike uh, Rotherham, and he was finding in the pandemic that his daughter was actually doing better at home than she was at school, and she was developing independence that you hadn't seen before in her because she was working from home and he was one that that wasn't questioning going back to school but saying there's more to this than meets the eye it's not just about attending school or being at home there's something missing that we spotted in in the way my daughter has reacted to being on lockdown I think it's joining the dots together as well, though, because we're dealing with or hearing about how things are being dealt with separately, but actually they come together as a bigger issue. So the cost of living crisis is really affecting our families. So some students are not attending because they can't afford to get the bus to school. So we're having to then um, look at ways of reducing that barrier. You've got the mental health support where there's lack of support for those students that could do with a few counselling sessions. And so we're looking at things in silos rather than looking at them collectively and then coming to towards a way of working forward. And that, I think, is the frustration for me. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm hearing because I do... Uh, this isn't a Blackpool-related thing, but hearing across the north, um, the frustration that leaders have when um, Ofsted inspects and doesn't really understands or doesn't want to acknowledge some of those issues, which are a real struggle for uh, for individuals um, and the challenges that individual teachers are having in terms of that engagement. Um, so I think that you know, th- th- this is a difficult time and it, it needs everybody to to appreciate, I think, a bit more, you know, what's going on. Um, Will, what about you? What's caught your oh, well, what's caught your eye? I think I'm going to enjoy this one now. Yeah, it's more about what hasn't caught your eye this week. And then that's a good that's the new one, though. Will. we can yeah. have that. what's not caught your eye. This week. Everything's caught my eye. But um, 
I, I look at things through a college lens and I find it fascinating that the Secretary of State for Education, Gillian Keegan, didn't mention colleges once in her keynote speech at conference. Um, yet Rishi Sunak yesterday mentioned colleges multiple times in his speech and in his post-speech interviews. And this is, of course, about his uh, new proposal for an advanced British um, standard. Sounds a bit more like a beef kind of quality mark than uh, an education outcome, um, which as a headline, I think is it, is very captivating. Uh, more, more subjects, a broader curriculum for 16 year olds, uh, more hours, third more hours. Um, and importantly, I think everyone leaves with the same qualifications. So whether you're a plumber with level three qualification or an aspiring doctor, you have the same qualification. I think that's really important for inclusivity and uh, making everyone feel valued. So part of me thinks what's not to like about this? Uh, but then I remember, oh yeah, we had Deering in 1996 suggesting something similar. We had Tomlinson uh, under the Blair government suggesting something similar. And none of this has actually materialised. And we know this is a long-term plan. Um, it's at least 10 years away from coming into fruition. Um, and some of us, I think, in education would like the teacher recruitment and retention crisis, um, quality of some of our uh, estates to be addressed uh, before yet more curriculum reforms. But I think the broader aims of um, these curriculum reforms are, are actually to be praised. And, you know, I think that we should be looking at some cross-party support for this. Um, be interested to see what others think. Yeah. Um, well, it's a bit well, like having a big wedding cake without any of the ingredients to go yes. in it, isn't it? And I think that's where there's no trust or... Um, willingness for a lot of these new reforms because we we need de we need teachers so I don't know where you're going to find all the maths teachers from Will but good mm. luck yeah I, I also the amount of money that's spent on forcing kids who have not passed their grade four or not got grade four is, I mean I'll be careful the wording here but haven't got the grade four in their English and maths and to sort of force them to continue to to go for that examination as opposed to sort of looking for something slightly different that might be more suited to their perhaps future career choices and whatever, you know, um, it's, it's always, uh, there were, I keep referencing this work by Dr. Ruth Lupton at Manchester university, who's looked at the number of children who got say eight GCSEs, but didn't get maths, you know, uh, and actually there's quite a, a high, there's a, there's a lot of children in that category, but they're then the choices appear to be, reduced when they go to you know into post 16 because of that and the opportunities are not there even though these are clearly you know quite able students but have got this one subject that's a problem for them you know so i mean how, how does that, that work out for you? that that links back i think to um you know some of the mental health challenges that we face it is not good for our students to repeatedly put them into exams that they're being set up to fail by a system that says uh, there's a uh, uh, one third of the cohort who has to fail each time an exam is um, set. Uh, and and whilst I think we should be looking at breadth of curriculum, I'm not sure if it's the right answer to, to force English and maths on those who really don't see that as part of their career ambitions and their, their longer term education. I'd also like to find out how many students they spoke to to create these reforms, to get their ideas. 
Well, I, I would suspect not very many. Um, and I think they are, are very good when it comes to conferences. And I'm, I'm not just talking about sort of Conservative Party, but um, when we've got a general election coming up next year, we are listening out for things that they think will be vote winners for them. I think that's the long-term aim. It's you know, what makes them look like they're doing something, what makes them look like they're listening to the people and actually the people that know what's going on in education like Will and Shelley and, and my principal Claire you know they're not asking them and there is no um, opportunity really uh, for a wider consultation on the issues that really matter which I think one of the things that we do in, in citizens at least it gives us an opportunity to talk at, at grassroots level about what impacts our students and their families. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? This bit about we talked before the recording about how a senior leader in a school would want to do something fairly radical. You know, you would you would certainly reach out and you'd sound people out and you'll sort of ease your way into it whereas I mean I feel for because I'm involved in this HS2 issue to a certain extent you know the lack of engagement with um, civic leaders in the north because they knew that it was not going to be popular you know that's there are many things that school leaders do that they know are going to be popular but the unpopular but the thing they've got to do is reach out and yeah you know, and try and persuade and to sort of lay the ground for that decision you know it's just it's just all... back to um, Shelley's point, isn't it, about operating in silos? And my point about Gillian Keegan not mentioning colleges at all in her speech, but then they're a fundamental part of Rishi Sunak's speeches. I wonder if the education secretary actually knew these announcements were coming or not, or whether they'd just been worked up by Number Ten and, and his team. Maybe that's why she was crying at the end. Yeah, she was very emotional, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, and you know, Shelley posed a question earlier around. What does that say about leadership, that leadership in a vacuum without listening and listening is such a fundamental part of responding to your community as we teach our students as part of community organising through Citizens UK. Is you, you've got to listen to people to find out how it's going for them before you can come up with any manifest um, proposals for how to improve. Mm. What was interesting with the attendance thing that Shelley was talking about, they, they said, oh, we think all attendance should be done electronically. And you're thinking, oh, holy hell, did you not ask anyone <laughs> in school? Because that's how we take attendance, you know. They, they have this vision of us all standing there with our little paper yeah. registers. Oh, they big registers. I love those <laughs> registers. They ticked. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's all based on that. Um, but the thing is also, I mean, it's it's it's... Somebody mentioned before about this, you know, how important it is to be truthful. You know, I think we mentioned this before we I started recording. And um, the whole thing falls apart for me because um, we have in Manchester uh, quite um, an elaborate tram system, which runs from the cent city centre out to the airport. Now, some of the money that is meant to be saved from HS2 is apparently going to be spent on a tram system running from the city centre out to the airport, and it already exists. 2014, it was... It yeah. was... <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, and there's, I think, another example in the south um, where a similar sort of project's already, uh, has already been delivered. And it goes back, I think, Will, to the point you were making about, well, you know, is this really been thrown together right at the last minute? 
you know, yeah. and actually Gillian Keegan probably may well have just been sidelined on it because, you know, this is Rishi's keeping Rishi in post, you know, that's more important than the education secretary, you know, knowing what's there, going there's on. His, there's history of that, isn't there? Um, none of none of our membership bodies knew about these proposals and usually they're involved in, in oh. these things being worked up quite quite radically. And um, when Rishi Sunak was announcing that some of the, the cancelled funds for HS2 would be used for improving this road and that road and this road, he'd already announced that those roads would be improved, but then put them on ice six months ago to try and save money. And then it's a re-announcement of a previously frozen announcement, which is now using funds from HS2, which presumably had already been allocated to those projects. Yeah. Yeah. So this labyrinth of, of you know post-truth politics, I think, as educationists, makes it really difficult for us to talk to students about telling the truth and being honest and being open, when all around them they see their the political leaders simply not doing that and brazenly not doing it and simply not caring about it. Yeah, it's a lack of integrity has become acceptable, um, and uh, an open wow. lack of integrity has become acceptable uh, at a certain level. I do think there is hope because I think young people do see through that totally. And um, the leaders that we've got within Citizens UK that have really made some big local changes to our community have had to do it the right way and have had to seek the voices of thousands of people in the community, have had to think about how they would present, not false promises, research to back up. So I think this is the thing that keeps me going daily is that hope that actually we're helping younger people how to be true leaders. Yeah. We're modelling it. Uh, I had a student that came over from Basbeck uh, yesterday. He had been um, in the sixth form and he'd gone over for a meeting with leaders at Basbeck and Barndine were there as well. And he came back and he said, oh, I think we all should have the same um, things on our ID badges because this will really help the bus companies. Um, and they're they're working together and they're seeing us as leaders model that for them. And I think I totally agree, Shelley, that's where the hope is and, and that's where the future lies. Mm. I'm surprised um, that student got anywhere near Basford yesterday because we had Prince Edward with us. And, um, oh, it might have been Tuesday. Armed, <laughs> armed police and close protection bodyguards. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, strangers on site, clearly. Um, well, he, he went through the visitor system. and Yes, and he, he was official, <laughs> not <laughs> using your library. <laughs> well, I did see on social media, Will, you were compared to him, and a very much likeness to Yeah, you're not the only person who said that. <laughs> I think I've got a bit more on top, though. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you, Will. Um, yeah. uh, Grania, what's caught your eye this week? Um, it was an a email I received from School of Sanctuary, informing me about a GB news item that was coming earlier in the week, um, talking about the support that that organisation was giving to refugee and migrant students in the UK, um, but accusing them of indoctrination. And um, that was quite disheartening for me because I know what we've been doing um, in the city, across the city, supporting um, migrant students and refugee students. Um, we have worked so hard to be inclusive and to um, highlight the dignity 
uh, of these young people. And it was so hard then to read the organisation who I believe were doing sterling work in this field for being accused in such an, an underhand way. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, in a way, I, I suppose, we, I don't like the term, but I suppose people would call us woke, wouldn't they? Opponents would call us woke. But it's sort of like, it's a, I feel as though it's a badge of honour, you know, that actually... <laughs> Um, if woke I mean, is about being kind, then um, yeah, I'll sign up for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, there was a nice piece yesterday. I remember who wrote it saying that uh, woke is actually the new Brexit for for the Conservative Party because they need an enemy that unites their people together. So because it, they can't really do it around Brexit anymore because one, it's a disaster, and and two, it, there's nothing to show for it. Mm. That then they're creating an enemy in woke, so that that the the conservative and like-minded people can can have an enemy to point a finger at and say it's all their fault. Yeah, I think it's. An... I thought it was quite interesting that somebody narrowed that down to say that's the purpose of woke at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's so disheartening, isn't it? When um, I mean, from my faith perspective, I'm coming at it from a working towards the common good and um, supporting the dignity of every person and solidarity with anyone who's marginalised. Um, but anyone from, I believe, a position of goodwill can get on board with that. And it's very hard then when you see leadership um, that's challenging, you know, the common good. Um, I really find that quite hard. Yeah. So we need political re- reform, don't yeah. we? Because it just doesn't work by having this party against this party. And if you compare that to your own organisation, I purposely employ people that have got different opinions to be yes. challenged. Yeah. But you use those in a in a way that's constructive and a way that's going to move your organisation along and network with other people. But that that whole system is just unlike most successful businesses, companies, schools, colleges. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, can I sort of uh, bring another topic to you? Um, last night, I uh, uh, led a um, a session with uh, computer leads, the teachers who are leading computing in their secondary school and primary schools. We went to uh, a place called Anchors Home Academy. It's a primary school on the outskirts of Blackpool. And uh, it, it's like at the cutting edge, really, of computing. You know, so if you're sort of a newly appointed coordinator in a primary school you know it's a bit scary going to this place but um a sixth form uh college blackpool sixth form sent uh, they had a couple of teachers there and they were looking at the year four work that was going on um around spreadsheets and uh it wasn't uh uh sort of uh microsoft stuff or or sheets it was it, it was you know it, it was really sort of getting to the heart of what a spreadsheet was it wasn't just an application and um, they they said they were that's a big problem they have with students coming into them, not just in computing, but but more generally about their lack of awareness of things like spreadsheets and the you know going back to the old IT ICT stuff you know they and and when we've got an event tomorrow where we've got business leaders from Blackpool coming in talking about where are the skill gaps and they I know they're going to talk about that. So how suitable is the curriculum that secondary schools are providing and, and, and sixth form colleges? How suitable is that for the world of work, I suppose, is the question for me. 
Oh, I was just thinking, well done for having lots of computing teachers in one room. <laughs> that's well, an there's about 20 of them. There are <laughs> nearly 40 schools in Blackpool, so we have about <laughs> half of them. But uh, yeah. Because I know we, we, our teachers treated like gold dust in our school because we just know there's so many other schools locally that are struggling to right. computing teachers. I mean, I, I do think um, there is flexibility with the curriculum. I mean, my daughter was shouting at the TV yesterday because they were saying teenagers can't cook um, when, in fact, she can cook much better than I can. So I think there's some quite sweeping statements around how prepared young people are for the workplace. And I think there is... You know, there's lots of work happening in Brighton with the careers industry supporting our schools. So I feel really fortunate that we are really on top of being able to to see what students need for the future. But the gaps are in the recruiting of the teachers to help that happen. Right, That's right. how I see it. But I don't know about Will and Gronya. Yeah, Will? I would agree with that. I think recruitment of um, staff and, and because computing and ICT is such a fast moving field it's having someone who's also prepared to grow and develop alongside it um maybe different to if you're a maths teacher for example you know you're always going to have to be um that on that front foot trying to to catch up and and the technology my my own son is a software developer and he works from his bedroom um Mm. and his experience uh, of work from compared to what he was told what would look like you know he'd go to an office or something like that and, and he's um he's working in his bedroom with a team that are all over the world mm. and he's met up with them twice in Tallinn in Estonia I mean it is completely um, alien to anything I would have expected him to to end up doing but you know working independently um learning as he goes along but imagine if you're a a computer teacher you're not in a classroom that's very alien to maybe what you're trying to teach you know what that's going to look like not just the coding aspect of it or the um technology side you know what what it all looks like will have you got a view on that yeah i i started my career um 2001 when key skills was uh, a big feature of um, post-16 education and and that did have a systematic way of upskilling all students um, in uh, in some areas with not just those who wanted to go into computer science and so students were familiar with those software packages or became familiar through their key skills classes but unfortunately students voted with their feet mm. because I think really you need to embed how to use these applications in the subjects um, that they're being taught anyway, rather than saying, here's a standalone course. And I think that's that's the challenge with, with AI, isn't it? It's how do we teach students to use this effectively within their current curriculum and subject areas, uh, whilst also you know teaching them uh, about the, the limitations and uh, areas where it shouldn't be used in terms of coursework but it crossed my mind yesterday with the announcement of this new qualification what will exams look like in 10 years time and how can you begin to design a qualification where actually we probably have to move away from students in the sports hall writing with pens on the same uh, paper script Um, and therefore I think you know that's a really difficult starting point what will exams look like in 10 years? Let's build a qualification uh, because we don't really know what they'll look like in 10 years time. Um, so, I th- yeah, I think, you know, this 
there are manifest problems here. Yeah, yeah. Just before we finish, I mean, we've got this sort of citizens citizenship, really, isn't it? That's binding you together. I mean, do you want to use this platform to sort of try and encourage others to to join the movement? Um, Shelley, do you want to say something about that? Yeah, so I think this is just empowering in all sense um, for people within our school, for myself, in my leadership skills, for my students to have a real purpose for leadership. And and I think all too too many times, and I've been a victim of this, um, is that students want to be leaders and want to make change, but don't really know where to go with it. Well, this is a fantastic programme and an organisation to be involved in where students can really champion the things they want to change and then see them through to the end, which often doesn't happen. Um, So I would urge any organisation to be part of it. It doesn't have to be schools or colleges or universities. It can be faith groups, community groups. um, And it's just been a, a real development opportunity for everyone in my community. And what we'll do, we'll put a link to this at the end of the video. So if people want to uh, you know, follow it up, they can do. Um, right, Stan, I think we've come to the end of the chat. Anything you want to add before we uh, say goodbye? No, it was just, uh, it was a, another week where there wasn't much happening. There wasn't really that much to talk about. And it, it's, what what do you say it was, edition 160 something? 63. And so far, there hasn't been a week in those 163 episodes where the government or the DFE or somebody has not given us a gift of what we can talk about. <laughs> Goodness knows what's going to happen in the future. Because, yeah. And, and we, we spoke briefly about leadership and take things. hopefully we take things back to what it's like in school. But there were some shocking examples of leadership and getting yourself all tied up by not being honest in the first place. You know, if we talk about that, that decision on on um, uh, the tr- the trains into Manchester, if the decision had been made on the Tuesday or last weekend or a month ago, instead of saying the decision's not been made and being challenged and challenged and challenged, why not just say we've made the decision and we're going to announce it mm. when it's time and we'll announce it at the conference? And you've not told any lies then, you've not tied yourselves in knots, and now we've got people arguing that the... The decision was only made when the cabinet approved it, even though a video was made four days beforehand. It's just, why would you get yourself in that kind of of knot if you're a a leader? And the other thing, which, of course, I pointed out early on, was why use I all the way through a a speech when you're you're trying to pull people together as a team? I'm always suspicious of people at interview that use I all the time. Yeah. It's it's much easier and much more inclusive to say this is what we did, or this is what the team did, and I helped them. Not this is what I did, and this is what I, and it was it was hi 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 all the way through. Yeah. So, that's my rant over with. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. Colleagues, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a fascinating chat. And uh, you've brought perspectives that we've not had before. So that's really valuable. And uh, if anybody's watching this because of uh, you three joining us this morning, these chats are every week and we post them up on a Friday. And uh, we'd love other people to, to listen to the future guests. And hopefully we can persuade the three Bs to come back and join us in 2024. Uh, and I'll send you I'll send you some dates for that in the uh, the next few weeks. 
so anyway thank you everybody thank you for joining us and uh, a great sunny weekend yes yeah. <laughs> thank you.